0: your host, Kurt Samig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's talk some more about people that came back from the dead. But first, as always, let's go over to patreon.com slash paranormal almanac and do some shoutouts. That's right, we've got shoutouts going out to Damien and Daniel, Eric, Joe, Marisol, Tanya, Aaron, Alexandra, Amy, Andrea, April, Ashley, Becca, Brandon, Chuck, Dan, Donald, Dorian, Isabel, Jason, Lauren, and Phil Mangano. Lauren, ooh, it's not McCune anymore. It is Lauren, oh, God, uh, I know this. I know the answer. Hold on one second. Lauren Strawn. Hey, howdy, hi Lauren Strawn. Congratulations on your wedding lindsey Hahn, manning martin michael mildog robin happy birthday the sean bishop sherry todd jamie and elijah hendrickson trudy vanessa veronica vicky art muffin autumn carolyn cindy derek dill Ezraum, george heidi harley roger ian jeff t juliana carrie connie christopher lawrence leo liam loki megan nanashi paul ricardo russell seth scoston suzanne tim void tech audra bob cindy devon elizabeth dave J-Mark, Jade, Jerry, Kenneth, Kim, Laura Pitts, Melody, Paula, Ricardo, Spencer, Terminal Animal, What's That, Will, Alicia, and Jen with, again, very special shout-outs to Joe Teague and, as always, my boy Stitch. And, again, a happy, happy birthday to the Sean Bishop. All righty, let's get right on in to Paranormal News. What time is it? It's time for Paranormal The first story in Paranormal News, not necessarily paranormal, but I talked about it prior, so I figured, you know, we got an update. We might as well talk about it. LAX jetpack sightings. FBI says pilots might have just seen balloons. LAPD shares a new video. In case you guys don't remember it, there was a bunch of sightings from pilots um, of some guy in a jetpack flying around at like 10,000 feet, and pilots are like, what the hell is happening? And I, back, I, I'm pretty sure I said this on the air, and if I didn't, I've definitely said it to my friends, but I was like, look, there is no jetpack that'll allow them to stay up for that long and just zip around at you know, 5,000, 10,000 feet or whatever. Well, it looks like they didn't. The uh, article says, one theory is that pilots might have seen balloons. And if you're saying, well, balloons don't look like people, well, they kind of do, because the balloon in question on the video is a big-ass balloon of Jack Skellington from Nightmare Before Christmas. The first sightings were reported on August 30th, 2020, when American Airlines pilot and Southwest Airlines pilot radioed they saw someone wearing a jetpack. Tower, American 1997, we just passed a guy in a jetpack. After that, a China uh, China Airlines crew member reported in October, another jetpack sighting, then in December, another jetpack sighting. Here's the thing, though. If that is truly what they're seeing... It doesn't. It looks like Jack Skellington floating through the sky, and I get it that they're, you know, they're flying in one direction. It's probably flying in the other direction, so they're just seeing it for a split second. But it doesn't look like a dude on a jetpack. It just looks like why aren't they saying it's a dude just floating, flying in in, in the air with no jetpack? Because it is very apparent that Jack Skellington is not wearing a jetpack. So I'm eager to see if that's really what it was that they were saying this whole time. If it is, that's hilarious. If not, well. Good on you, Jetpack Man. You've lived to fly again another day. All right, up next in paranormal news. Ghostly figure captured by ship's CCTV camera while off the coast of Somalia. This one was uh, posted onto Reddit last week, and they said that the incident occurred while he was working aboard a vessel that was sailing near the coast of Somalia. Um, They said that uh, as a preventative measure to avoid drawing the attention of pirates, the lights on the ships were turned off, and all the crew members were ordered to stay in their rooms. During that brief period, the ship was, uh, you know, just nice and quiet, but on the CCTV cameras pops up a, uh, well, a ghost, maybe. All as always, I don't watch the videos until I actually hit play. Oh, there's crappy music, so I'm going to mute that out, not that I need to see it for CCTV. Okay, so it is a very grainy it's a cell phone video of a computer monitor with the CCTV camera um you know display. Uh very grainy. Wait. Was that it? Was that what I was supposed to see? I see a deck of a ship. I see a dude standing there. What am I supposed to be seeing? Now this was caught off of a right. ship C- CCTV camera of this mysterious figure that turned up and just disappeared. So guys, let's take a look at the footage and then we'll have a real quick chat afterwards. Okay, let's do it. I don't want to hear that guy anymore. I'm going to turn that off. Again. Okay, so there's an orb that doesn't look like an orb. It looks like someone's drawing something on the the screen. It's still an empty deck of a ship. Something better happen real sooner. Moving on to the next story. Oh, and now there's a guy standing there. Okay. Okay. So it does make it seem like a guy just materialized. But it's like, you know, it doesn't look like a ghost to me. It looks like a dude just materialized. So what it probably is, is that the camera takes, you know, every 10 frames or every 20 frames or whatever. And that's why someone can just pop in and appear on a CCTV camera. It just looks like a guy standing there. Sure, I get it that, oh, the crew is supposedly all supposed to be accounted for and everything, but, no, this doesn't look like a ghost materializing. It looks like there's a light or an orb, and then a guy just kind of pops into the frame. Nope. I will put it on the uh, the Facebook pages, as always, but I'm going with it's just the frame rate of the camera and nothing more. All righty, moving on. Let's keep on keeping on. The distant relative of Loch Ness Monster lurking in waters off the coast of Cornwall. Uh, John Holmes, I'm assuming not the 70s porn star, released strange footage, which he had filmed in 1999 in Jaron's Bay off Roseland Peninsula in Cornwall. And it's just come to light now. Mr. Holmes said at the time, my pet theory is that it was a living fossil. Uh, Let's see. Sightings can be done that we all know about what the Loch Ness is, not a monster. In 2002, a former Natural History Museum worker claimed he captured the reptile on camera. He released strange footage in which he had filmed three years prior in Jaron's Bay off the Roseland Peninsula. He lives in Sticker near Saint Austell and said at the time, "My pet theories was a living fossil. I think there is a group of plesiosaurs, plesiosaurs, going around in the oceans of the world. All around Britain, there have been sightings of sea serpents." He said the footage showed the head of a two and a half or two point two meter long creature rising out one meter above the water. He works as a higher scientific officer at the Natural History Museum for nineteen years. Said he's waited so long to release the film for fear of being ridiculed. That sucks. But after showing it to experts during the last year, they all seemed puzzled as to the creature's uh, identity. What caught my attention was the bizarre movement out to sea. The hairs on the back of my neck stood up. It was gargantuan, but big enough to rule out marine birds. It wasn't gargantuan, but it was big enough to rule out marine birds. He uh, says that the most famous one is obviously Nessie. And... Do they not have the video? What a weak-ass article. And they don't have the video. All right, well, I guess I'll try to find the video for a later paranormal news. But, yeah, some guy's got some footage that he's finally released of a Loch Ness kind of creature. Up next in paranormal news, what we know about Bigfoot in California, National Sasquatch Awareness Day. In case you guys missed it, apparently last week was a uh, National Sasquatch Awareness Day. They said that Bigfoot or Sasquatch is a creature that is larger than life. The legend goes back decades, especially in California. The concept of a day of awareness was first proposed in 2009 through a Change.org petition, presumably meant to mark the anniversary of the filming of the iconic Patterson-Gimlin Bigfoot film, on October 20, 1967. According to the Washington Military Department website, the legend of the creature goes back beyond recorded history and covers the world. This site also adds that Sasquatch name comes from the Salish Sasquit, while the Algonquin of the north-central region of the continent refer to Witgo, Witigo, or Wendigo. No, it's not a Wendigo. That's different. Um, Wendigo is totally different, highlighting the indigenous storytelling cultures of the community, blah, blah, blah. So we got a uh, National Sasquatch Day. I like that. I will have to try and remember to uh, do another episode about the Patterson-Gimlin film to commemorate it next year. Continue with uh, Bigfoot, focused on Mississippi, Bigfoot Bash to be held in Natchez, Mississippi, on November 4th. So in two days from now, Thursday, November 4th, on the bluff in Natchez, Mississippi, uh, the purpose of the event is to celebrate the 300th anniversary of a Bigfoot sighting in Mississippi. 300th anniversary? Holy crap. According to the event organizer, Brandon McCarney, a French Jesuit priest journaled about hearing Bigfoot in the woods while staying with the Natchez Indians in 1721. His account states they heard a big scream in the woods and that livestock went missing. The event will hold a double-feature outdoor movie screening and then will continue into the weekend with entertainment and speakers about Bigfoot. So if you're in the area, head on over to Bigfoot Bash. And remember, don't effing shoot Bigfoot. NASA Chief Bill Nelson... Latest official to suggest that UFOs have otherworldly origins. That's right. A lot of people are coming out going, look, there is something about UFOs. We don't think they're of this earth. And this is just another guy. Again, NASA chief Bill Nelson, who is agreeing and saying, yep, there are more to them than meet the eyes. On October 19th discussion of space policy, NASA Administrator Bill Nelson spoke passionately about his agency's mission to seek out life beyond Earth. In his comments, Nelson pivoted almost immediately to a series of U.S. military encounters with mysterious flying objects, many of which appear to maneuver in extraordinary ways while in restricted airspace. After speaking with several of the naval aviators who observed the unknown craft, he's convinced the pilot saw, quote, something Saw something on, and their radars locked onto it. Asked to speculate about the nature of the phenomena, he says, Who am I to say that planet Earth is the only loca- location of a life form that is civilized and organized like ours? So, again, more and more people are coming out. I don't need to go through the rest of it. You know the rest of that stuff. Uh, there's a lot of UFOs being sighted everywhere, and the government are saying they are true. All moving on to the next one. UFO Day returns to Belleville. Belleville, Wisconsin, is bringing back UFO Day on this Saturday. Boy, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. The day of festivity includes a vendor show and a 5K color run in the morning and a UFO parade in the afternoon, capped off with the UFO Day monster costume ball. Kids are encouraged to come in costume for the 1 p.m. parade. UFO Day celebrates a UFO sighting that occurred in Belleville back in 1987. That's cool. That was a quick one. All right. I think we're down to the last one. We are. And finally, in paranormal news, NASA is looking for a framework to better help you understand its deep space finds. The expectation, in particular with the public, is a yes or no answer. Did you find it or didn't you find it? They mean life on other planets. But Green says the reality is much more complex. Our scientific discovery about extraterrestrial life may give us a small new insight into the universe, but it may be exaggerated by researchers or misunderstood by the public. The discovery of a meteorite got everybody saying that there's possibility of life on Mars, and they went on to say, "Well, I got news from you. There is oxygen in the atmosphere of Venus. I can guarantee you there is no vegetation on the surface of Venus." But it doesn't say we couldn't, we have found or couldn't find or could find life there. The extrapolation may be. Um, that doesn't matter. The extrapolation is, look, they need to start figuring out how they're going to be able to tell the world if they do find life not of this Earth. And they're trying to do it in the most scientific way possible. A lot of people have read this article and went, "They're gonna, it's, NASA's going to admit next week that they've got uh, aliens on board, you know, the space station or some shit like that. And that's not the case. The story is literally them saying... Look, we're going to find life on other planets. It's going to happen, and it's probably going to happen in our own solar system. We need to figure out how to tell people so that the world doesn't come crashing to a halt because a lot of people are still afraid that that might happen. All righty, with that, let's wrap it up, and uh, let's take a quick break. We are back. All right, before we get into this story for t- today... If you want some merch, head on over to storenv.com and search for Paranormal Almanac, you can find all your Paranormal Almanac merch needs. And I'm taking down a few of the shirts. So if there is a shirt that um, you're interested in right now, or mug or whatever, you, if there's a style that you're interested in right now, you best go grab it real quick, because I'm taking down a bunch of them and eventually going to replace them with new ones. But I'm just bringing it basically back down to the Paranormal Almanac logo and uh, a couple of the other most popular shirts, uh, like the Paramaniacs and the, and the the No Ghost logo one with for uh, for Bigfoot. So if there is a shirt you guys are interested in, grab it now, because I'm taking all that merch off, because it costs me money to leave it up there. All righty, we are back, like I said, and I figured, um, that I figured a couple of things. First of all, I figured that since it's Day of the Dead, let's talk about some people that have crossed over and then crossed back, you know, dead people. And that's also, I want to talk about a a new approach that I'm going to try and do on this podcast. And that approach is, for the next couple of episodes, I'm going to remove the swearing out of the episodes. That's right. I'm going to do a couple of no-swear episodes just to test the waters because it puts me in a different category on, like, a lot of playlists. And I don't think the category is better if I don't swear. In fact, I think it's better if I do swear And I've always wanted this podcast to be very conversational. I wanted it to be like you're at a friend's house or at a bar, and you're just talking about this cool paranormal stuff that you always talk about. And if you swear, you swear. If you don't, you don't. It didn't matter. But now I'm going to consciously, moving forward for at least this next month, for the month of November, I'm going to remove all swears out of the podcast and uncheck the explicit part of it, just to see how it fares against other podcasts that don't swear, open for everybody, and uh, let's just see how it does. So anyhow, all righty. Like I said, back into the episode. Uh, Let's see, the Day of the Dead people, people that uh, crossed over, came back. Let's find out what's waiting for all of us on the other side. Now, I know some of you are probably saying, wait, he's already done an NDE episode. That's near-death experience episode. Yeah, yeah, I have. But it's been so long... And there's still so much to talk about. I said, well, screw it. I want to do another one. And again, it's the Day of the Dead. I was going to release this one on Halloween. And I was like, no, 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 no. I want to wait till the Day of the Dead. Release it then. Ties in a lot better. Makes it more of a themed episode. So, uh, yeah, let's get right on into it. All right. So first, let's go through an incredibly, incredibly brief history of NDEs. And once again, NDE... That's near death experience. That's somebody that has clinically or technically died and then come back from the dead. Near death experience. All right. First, it does seem like anecdotally, I guess NDEs have been around forever. You go to a lot of websites. There's real no. There's no real uh, clear origin for NDEs. There's a bunch of sites that quote, oh, you know, they've talked about NDEs in the Middle Ages and in in Egypt and in uh, ancient China. And then if you just keep on going back, you know, Africa, like you just keep going back and back and back. Every nation, culture, country, whatever, talks about NDEs. But what about that first known written document? Well, as far as we know, as of today... The first known written documented account is from the 18th century. It's from an 18th century French military doctor. And this small like pamphlet like book called Anecdotes de Medicine was actually found in another book bought for a pound at an antique store. So I know a lot of people say, oh, all the good stuff's been taken. Apparently, it hasn't. This guy went to buy this one book at an antique store for a pound, and inside it, he found what is, to today, the first known documented account of a near-death experience. Now, the author was Pierre-Jean de Monchon. He was a uh, military physician from the north of France, and he wrote... Sir L.C., one of the most famous apothecaries of Paris, had in Italy 25 years ago a malign fever and was treated by French physicians and surgeons and sustained many blood letters. After the last phlebotomy, which was very important, he had a syn- syncope, I don't know what that is, he had a syncope and was unconscious for such a long time that the assistants were particularly worried. He reported that after having lost all external sensations, he saw such a pure and extreme light that he thought he was in heaven, literally in the kingdom of the blessed. He remembered his sensation very well and affirmed that never of all his life had he had a nicer moment. That's kind of cool. 18th century, talking about early 18th century, And the guy said that, yeah, he died, came back, and had never had a nicer experience. Went to heaven. It was great. Now, in the 19th century, a few studies moved beyond individual cases. One was privately done, actually, by the Mormons, which always blows me away. I talked about it in the last episode about NDEs, so I'm not going to talk about it too deeply, but the fact that the Mormons were like, we got to find out about these life-after-death people. And then there was also one done in in Switzerland as well in the 19th century. Then, uh... 2000, I mean, 90s, 1980s, 1990s, 2000s, there were studies done. 2005, it was determined that 95% of world cultures are known to have made some mention of NDEs. So around the world, 95% of the world cultures have a mention of NDEs. Now, a number of the more contemporary sources report the incident of near-death experience as 17% 17% amongst crit- critically ill patients in nine prospective studies from four different countries. 10 to 20% of people who have come close to death are part of the NDE experience. So it's not the, it's not 80% or 90% of people that, that die and come back have an NDE experience. It's actually very low. But of the ones that do, they all have a similar experience no matter where they are around the world. All righty, so that's the very briefest of history of NDEs. I started to slide into the scientific side of things. Let's continue in that route. The science of NDEs is really important. This is me talking, Kurt talking. It is very, very important. We, so we can finally figure out just what it is that's happening to the people that die and come back. But the problem is, sadly... NDEs are immediately thrown into one of two categories paranormal or religious, and very rarely categorized in a scientific sense. There is a stigma that still is attached to NDEs and the people that have experienced NDEs. They call them NDEers. Um, that stigma of the paranormal is stopping science from seriously looking into it and trying to explain. What is happening to these people that have died and come back with a very different experience? And it kind of bums me out. I just want science to take a st- take a second and just get rid of the paranormal part of it and try to explain this NDE experiments, this, this paranormal experience. Or for you skeptics, debunk it. I don't care which way they finally say, we've figured it out 100% and it's this. I don't care if it's negative or it's positive, but something is happening to a lot of people. And like I say, the experiences are very similar around the world. I'll tell you about the experiences in just a minute. Around the world, there's got to be a cause for it. Now, that being said, there have been some cool studies, not a lot. Now, I won't get too heavy into it. Don't worry. But uh, all modern scientific studies do involve uh, that, that do involve NDEs, I should say, use what's called the Grayson criteria. And that's the scale that a psychiatrist developed in the 1980s to measure the depth of persons' near death experiences. So, you know, these cases can be like uniformly studied. They said we need a scale, kind of like the Richter scale for earthquakes. We want to make sure, you know, uniform across the board. So if, we, if I talk to him or if a guy in, in Bangladesh talks to somebody, we'll get the same scale. Now, this scale includes questions about the perception people report during near-death experiences. For example, uh, altered sense of time, life review, feelings of joy, a score of 7 or higher out of a possible 32, that's classified as a near-death experience. So, you'll often hear or see people that are really, really into NDEs you'll hear them give it a score. Now, I'm not going to really cover the scores on this edition, but I just wanted to include it here. So if you do like some more NDE research on your own time, don't be surprised to see some high scores or hear people talk about scores. When I was doing a lot of the research for this one, I wanted to hear from the NDE people myself. So I watched all these videos, some really low quality, some fairly decent quality. Again, from around the world, and there's really two types of people. There's ones that just went so woo-woo religious that I was like, all right, okay, I get it. You had this an amazing experience and you went to heaven and boom, that's all you can talk about now, but they don't really talk about it in any kind of detail. It's just this, you know, like flowery woo-woo like spiritual sense that I'm like, that doesn't really help me with this episode. The other side of it are the people that are like, I'm now better than you because I've had an NDE. I'm a higher enlightened person because I have an NDE. And, you know, one day you will see that I am right. And again, it didn't give me any help. It didn't help me at all because I really wanted to include some people, um, stories like off of YouTube or whatever, so I could plug it on here. And like, you can hear it from them. But in the end, I was just like, I don't care. I really don't care. And I just kept skipping through videos. So I was like, all right, this isn't working for me. For some reason, and it's kind of that stigma thing, but not really because it's coming for me. For some reason, the woo-woo side of things on this really kind of just got to me after a little bit. And I I apologize if you have had a a near-death experience and you have had some kind of spiritual awakening. Look, I probably would too if I died, went to heaven, saw my dead relatives and pets, and then came back. I probably would be a different person as well. I just can't relate to those people. I don't know. All right, so let's continue on. I'm sorry, I went off on a little tangent there. There's a lot of people that say you can't accurately scientifically study NDEs because, well, we don't know when we're going to die. And to that I say, if you join the highest level of the Patreon, I will give you the day you will die. Plus, you get a free t-shirt, so there you go. Um, it's not going to be accurate. All right. So there are, but there are a few people who decided, hey, you know what? There might be a way that we can do this. There's a fairly good chance. And, and in 2001, Sam Parnia and his colleagues published the result of a year long study of cardiac arrest survivors. And it was conducted at the Southampton General Hospital. That's right. They knew that cardiac patients had a better than average chance of surviving if they were in the hospital. If they flatlined, the hospital could bring them back. So they had a controlled space to study near-death experiences, and I think it's freaking brilliant. So 63 survivors were interviewed. They had been resuscitated after being clinically dead with no pulse, no respiration, and fixed dilated pupils. Here's the cool part. Sam and his colleagues wanted some way to investigate a very big part of NDEs, and that's the out-of-body experience. So they were like, how can we do this? How can we scientifically controlled out-of-body experiences? Well, what they did was they placed figures on suspended boards facing the ceiling, up towards the ceiling, so it's not visible from the floor at all. And they wanted to see if any of the people that had out-of-body experiences saw the figures. And I got to say, that is a darn smart test. Incredibly cool smart test. But sadly, of course, during the study, this one-year study, none of the NDE people had an out-of-body experience. And they weren't trying to trick them. They weren't like, did you have an out-of-body experience? Yeah, yeah. Did you see the figures up in the ceiling? Oh, wait, no, I didn't. Like, they didn't have any of that. They literally just didn't have anybody that had an out-of-body experience of the people that died and came back. So none could basically identify the hidden figures. Now, I really, really hope they continue this test. I couldn't find any more information past 2001. I mean, it's been 20 years. Please tell me that they continue this test for at least a couple of more years because it's a great control experiment that could lead to some very cool results. All right, last little bit about science. Um, Science tried to figure out what these experiences may be coming from if they aren't paranormal. And they did find that two drugs seem to mimic NDEs. And that's DMT, which I talked about on my last episode about uh, NDEs, and also ketamine. They found that both mimic the light and tunnel and the out-of-body effects but none, neither I should say, but neither really fully explained what is happening. How people of all ages from around the world have a similar experience that, that can include seeing dead relatives and pets going to heaven, then returning with knowledge of what their loved ones were doing while they had an NDE, because that's very, that's a very popular one where they'll die and they have knowledge of what people are experiencing. Now, skeptics, I'm not talking about people that die and can still hear what's being said by the nurses and the doctors working on them in the emergency room. No, what I mean is people that die then go out of body and see their loved ones at their homes, in other rooms, in different locations, and know specifically what those loved ones were doing while the person died, basically. That's a very common NDE experience. Now, I don't care how much ketamine you do. You're not going to know what your uncle is doing in the other room. You just aren't going to do it. I don't care. So the ketamine and the ND and the DMT, I should say, I get that it could mimic an out-of-body experience. Sure, they're drugs. I can get that it could give you a light and tunnel experience or... Um, You know, seeing colors, sure. I can get behind all of that. But there is nothing in DMT or ketamine that can give you knowledge that you never had before. Give you knowledge about deceased relatives that you never had before. Give you knowledge that a deceased relative, like a person will come back from the dead and say, hey, mom, grandma wanted me to tell you that her brooch is in a safety deposit box in a bank. And sure enough, it was there. Like that kind of information, there is no drug that will give you that kind of knowledge. Alrighty, that's it for the that's it for the uh, the science stuff. Let's get into this thing. Alright, anyhow, like I was saying, kids from as young as two years old to adults of all ages have had near-death experiences, and again, age doesn't seem to change the overall experience or what is seen. Now, sure, there's some personal differences, but overall, the overall near-death experiences are the same around the world. Religion doesn't vary the experience as much. Class, wealth, language do not have impacts on the overall near-death experience either. And just in case you guys didn't know, the most common experiences are intensely vivid memories involving bodily sensations that give a strong impression of being real. More real even than memories of true events. That is very common that when they're out of their body, their experiences are more real than the real world. Now, this includes memories of one's life either flashing before their eyes or being able to see their life, like either flipping channels on a TV or flipping through pages of a book. The sensation of leaving their body, looking down on their own body, and seeing the room and what's around them knowing what the nurses and doctors look like, what they said and did to try and resuscitate them, seeing the exact movements of everyone coming into and leaving the room have all been documented by NDE experiencers. They also talk about traveling through a tunnel, either a black tunnel or full of wonderful colors, towards a light or pinpoint of light, and feeling, quote, at one, With something universal. That seems to be a very big one. Seeing loved ones and pets. That's another very big one. Being told it's not their time yet. Before being rushed back like a rubber band to their body. Feeling peaceful and tranquil. Experiencing a sense of detachment from one's physical body. Observing one's surroundings from a position above oneself. Entering into a dark region or void. Perceiving a region of brilliant light and unusual beauty occasionally encountering other beings such as God, Jesus, or deceased relatives. These are the most common. When people come back, a lot of times their world has changed, their life has changed. Monetary possessions mean nothing to them. Sometimes, sadly, their marriage just ends because it's a completely different experience. They come back with just different knowledge and a different wavelength, and they can't really connect with the person that they were married to. This feeling at one, uh, this universal love kind of feeling is very big with a lot of the NDE uh, pages, I'll say, on on Facebook. When I went through a lot of those, I was trying to find out there was a conference or something coming up so I can interview a lot of them. And it is a very, like, again, not, not to be mean, but it is a very woo-woo, you know, all is love. I bring you peace. I bring you love kind of a thing. And it's, uh, it's a different experience than what I have. Uh, let's see. Women report deeper NDEs. And, again, patients of religions like Christianity, Islam, Hinduism report significantly more NDEs compared to patients from non-religious groups. So, boom, good stuff's out of the way. Let's hear stories from people that have had near-death experiences. That's right, people that have died and come back. Now, I should say, take these stories with a grain of salt. I can't prove any of them. A lot of them get regurgitated from NDE experience websites and lists and articles from one to another to another to another. I did check to make sure a couple of the most amazing ones if that person was real, and they were, I and they really were real, which the, the last one on this episode is a fantastic one, and I checked, and sure enough, she's a real person, and there was, you know, real evidence. All righty, let's get right onto this grain of salt time, but let's get right onto this. The first one is a guy named Tony uh, Sicoria. Sure, why not? He is a neurosurgeon from upstate New York. He got struck by lightning while talking on a phone to his mother, During uh, a family picnic, he said the next thing he knew, he was lying on the ground saying to himself, oh, my God, I'm dead. Now, the way he knew he was dead is because he saw his mother-in-law screaming at his body. He called out to her and said, I'm here, I'm here, but she didn't hear him, obviously didn't hear him because he was dead. Then he said he, he was traveling up a flight of steps without walking. He became a bolt of blue light and managed to go through a building. He flew through walls, and he actually saw his little kids having their faces painted. Right after that, though, he felt someone thumping on his chest. It turns out a nurse was in the park and was giving him CPR, but he said he didn't want to come back. He said he didn't want to come back to life. He wanted to stay, he wanted to stay dead. He said, I was surrounded by a bluish-white light, an enormous feeling of well-being and peace. The highest and lowest points of my life raced by me. I had the perception of accelerating, being drawn up. There was speed and direction. Then, as I was saying to myself, this is the most glorious feeling I've ever had. Slam. I was back. Here's a very, very uh, grain of salt, strange little side note. A bunch of sites, and I believe The New Yorker as well, state that the doctor who revived Tony became overwhelmed with the urge to play and write piano music after this incident. She said she never, ever had an urge to play piano or to write music, but then she couldn't help herself. She was overwhelmed. Uh, Just kind of weird. Now, a common thing I found with online stories of NDE was that being dead was, quote, more real than real life. Almost every one of them said that. And I thought that was really kind of a neat phrase. So I wanted to make sure I repeated that on this episode. All right. So these next few, though, are from Reddit. I woke up in what looked like space, but there weren't any stars or light. I wasn't floating, so to speak. I was just there. I wasn't hot or cold, hungry or tired. Just a peaceful, neutral kind of thing. I knew there was light and love somewhere nearby but I had no urge or need to go to it right away. I remember thinking over my life, but it wasn't like a montage, more like I was idly flipping through a book and snippets stood out here and there. Whatever it was, it changed my thoughts on a few things. I'm still afraid to die, but I'm not worried about what happens after that. And that's another thing that uh, pops up quite a bit is the the knowledge that there's something after, you know, people still don't want to rush to death. They still don't want to die. But the knowledge that there's something after that seems very peaceful and seems very loving, they're like, yeah, it's fine. When it's my time, it'll be fine. So I guess there is something good that comes out of it. And it's that peaceful knowledge, because I don't know anybody that's like, yeah, it'll be fine. I could die whenever it'll be good. No, thanks. All right, this next person was thrown from his motorbike while cruising at 50 miles per hour. He was, you know, medically dead, taken to the hospital, basically died on the scene, so he was taken to the hospital. As he laid laid in the road, though, before the ambulance came, he said he saw himself lying there. He recalled someone he knew encouraging him. He said, I just remember being on the pavement and things slowly going black and quiet. The only reason I didn't fall asleep was because of a bizarre moment where I heard someone yelling, Ranger up, you candy F-word. Come on, man, get up, get up, get up. Then someone was slapping my helmet, which was basically crushed really hard onto my head. When I opened my eyes, I saw my brother squatting on the pavement next to me. This is odd because my brother died from an overdose several years ago. The only other thing I remember is him glancing at his watch and saying something like, They'll be here soon and then walking away. I wish I could give more details, but I honestly don't remember much of the incident, and I still have much trouble with my memory as a result of the accident. Well, yeah, your head was caved in, dude. Still kind of cool, though. This next one says, I remember a feeling of being sucked backwards extremely slowly, like being pulled through water and this blackness fading in and out. At one point, it faded back in, and I was staring out at a garden. It wasn't filled with flowers, just dust and patchy grass. There was a playground with a merry-go-round in the middle and two children running around it, a boy and a girl. It's difficult to describe, but I got the feeling I could choose if I wanted to stay or leave. But every time I tried to go back, I was held in place. I went through all the reasons I wanted to go back, and when I told the presence I didn't want to abandon my mother, whatever it was, let go of me. I finally snapped into my body... My heart had stopped for six minutes. Another one said, I had a heart attack last year and my heart stopped three times in the emergency room. Apparently, each time they shocked me back up or shocked me back, I woke up how it felt and told the staff a different knock-knock joke each time. No lights or whatever. It just felt like sleep. So I wanted to add this one because there are some people that experience NDEs that come back and say, there's nothing else. It's blackness. it's darkness. You cease to exist. And I'm very concerned and curious why some people have this afterlife in heaven and see their pets and their dead relatives, but other people come back and go, no, there's nothing else. This is all there is. It's just blackness after that. I don't I don't like that. Uh, this next one, a 19-year-old girl had her intestines rupture, <clears throat> pardon me, had her intestines rupture due to Crohn's disease, and she said, at one point when I came to six or seven nurses, were when I, oh, at one, one point when I came to, six or seven nurses were around me trying to place another IV. It was apparently difficult because I was so dehydrated. I remember this moment, but only from my father's point of view. I remember looking over at him, talking to the doctors, and he was crying. When I think back on the nurses I can only see them from when he from where he was standing I also remember seeing me lying on the table as they put me under I could swear I remember as I counted backwards I felt like I watched it all happen So she was having a very different out of body experience seeing things through her father's eyes as everything happened but I'm wondering if she really was seeing it through his, through her father's eyes or from just behind and over her father. So, but uh, still another another cool one. Uh, another NDE Redditor just had this to say about it. I know very little about any religion. The only advice I feel comfortable of giving is don't be afraid of it, but don't go rushing into death. I think that one's kind of comforting. I like that one. Uh, there's another site about dying and coming back and NDEs and everything. And it had a few stories on it. The first one was, after a four-year battle with lymphatic cancer, Anita Morjani slipped into a coma in 2006. She said she felt like she was floating above her body with a, quote, 360-degree peripheral vision. Now, she saw all of the hospital room and beyond. She said she couldn't see her late father himself, but did feel his presence, and he had a message for her. He said that, I've gone as far as I can, and if I go any further... I won't be able to turn back. But I felt like I didn't want to turn back because it was so beautiful. It was just incredible because for the first time, all the pain had gone. All the discomfort had gone. All the fear was gone. She said, I just felt so incredible. And I felt as though I was in, uh, enveloped in this, um, enveloped. Duh, come on, Kurt. I was enveloped in this feeling of just love, unconditional love. About 30 hours after falling into a coma, she said she uh, woke back up and two days later, her organs started to regain function and the tumors started shrinking. She says she's now cancer-free and is a public speaker about NDEs and heaven. Now, this next one is about a girl named Lori. She was 19 years old. She was swept into the rapids on a rafting trip. She said she was trapped beneath the surface and drowned. Everything went black. ...then white, as if she was traveling through a tunnel. She said, looking around me, I could see a room that appeared to be formed from pure white clouds, yet it wasn't solid. In the rooms, there were three beings, made of shimmering crystal. Light shone through them like a glass prism, forming a rainbow. One was larger than the other two, but all of them spoke to me. I was afraid of them, and they seemed to realize this. Instantly, they transformed into what I recognize as angels... Now, they didn't have bird wings. They had fibers like fiber optic cables that were shaped like wings and pure light shone through the fibers, forming colors in all the shades. When they spoke, their messages were sent telepathically. Now, she says the angels showed her a golden field with beautiful music with a tree and a lake nearby. Just then, a kayaking rescuer brought her out of the water and resuscitated her. It's a very different one. Uh couple of celebrities have even had NDEs like um, Ernest Hemingway. During the American Red Cross in Italy during World War I, supposedly Ernest Hemingway was badly injured by a mortar bomb. Now, again, this is all very big grain of salt, but according to a few websites, he says he died. I felt my soul or something coming right out of my body like you'd pull a silk handkerchief out of my pocket by one corner. It flew around and then came back and went in again, and I wasn't dead anymore. The other celebrity on this list is Jane Seymour. She was, food, she was shooting the 1988 film Onassis when she went into anaphylactic shock when her bronchitis antibiotics were injected into a vein instead of a muscle. She said, I had the, the vision of seeing a white light and looking down and seeing myself in this bedroom with a nurse frantically trying to save my life and jabbing injections in me. And I'm calmly watching this whole thing. She said, I remember looking down at my body that was mine, realizing I wasn't in it. And I totally grasped the concept that your body is really a vehicle. You need to service it like a car. All Up next is one from orthopedic surgeon Mary C. Neal, M.D. She said about 20 years ago, she almost drowned while kayaking in Chile and her heart stopped, heart stopped for more than a half an hour. Soon after I leaving my body, I was greeted by a group of beings who were simultaneously familiar and unfamiliar. This may sound strange, but I felt nothing but peace and happiness in their company. When I was separated from my physical body, I was simultaneously aware of what was happening in heaven and what was unfolding on the riverbanks where I would drowned. I thought about my husband and my children, my parents and my siblings, but I didn't think about my work or any earthly worries. That's another big one that you hear quite a bit is, People come back with a better perspective on life. And I truly mean a better perspective on life, that it's not how many hours you put into work and how many stupid things you have hanging from your shelves or on your shelves or in your house. It's about the people and the experiences of life. Your family, your friends, travel. Just get out and experience life. So if you take anything away from this episode, let it be that to... uh, not hang on to monetary possessions, and just enjoy life. But still listen to this podcast. All right, up next, in uh, 2008, uh, neurosurgeon Eben Alexander went into a coma with a rare form of meningitis that only infects about 1 in 10 million people. His doctor figured he only had a 10% chance of surviving. He said, I was rescued by a slowly spinning clear white light associated with a musical melody that served as a portal up into rich and ultra-real realms. The Gateway Valley was filled with many earth-like and spiritual features, vibrant and dynamic plant life with flowers and buds blossoming richly and no signs of death or decay, waterfalls into sparkling crystal pools, thousands of beings dancing below with great joy and festivity, all fueled by swooping golden orbs in the sky above, angelic choirs emanating chants and anthems that thunder throughout my awareness, and a lovely girl on a butterfly wing. After being unconscious for a week, supposedly he woke up and had suffered no brain damage. All right, his is the very woo-woo common story. And look, it's probably real, and it's probably what it looks like in the afterworld. But reading that sentence, it's just like, all right, man, you, you had one too many Grateful Dead concerts. It's all I can think of, but apparently that's what it's like. All right, let's keep on keeping on. David Bennett was a chief engineer for an underwater research vessel in 1983 when one night he was thrown into the ocean. He felt like there was some presence keeping him from being alone as the, he quote says, the darkness slowly faded into light and he started to move towards it. He says, as I got closer, there were waves and waves of love that were just wrapping me in this warm embrace. Hi, Rum. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Rum. Trying to read a story here about people that died. Hold on one second. He said it was the most... (laughs) All right, thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. This is a dramatic part of the story. You can't kiss me right now. Hold on. All right. Here we go. He said it, uh, it was the most amazing feeling he's ever had and felt as if this love was actually permeating my, be- my being and transforming me into this being of life. As I got closer to the light, the light appeared to me like it was made of millions upon millions of fragments of life. But he was told to go back to life to fulfill his purpose, and after 18 minutes underwater... He popped back up to the surface and was fine. In 2015, 17-year-old Zach Clements uh, collapsed in the middle of his Christian high school gym class. His heart stopped for a solid 20 minutes. Uh, While he was unconscious, he said he caught a glimpse of heaven. I saw this line of white angels. In the middle was the prettiest of them all. And I didn't know who it was at first until he got closer to me. And then I realized, that's Jesus he said he put his hand on my shoulder and said, I'll be all right. And he survived. Yeah, there's, I can't imagine that Jesus is going to be there. I mean, this is just my own personal whatever. I, I find it hard to believe that Jesus is going to be there for everybody that dies because people are dying constantly all the time. But there's a whole lot of stories like that. Um, there was a very cool story about a guy. It's very short, so I'll just tell it to you. There's a very cool story about a guy that died and when he came back, He has the ability to pick stocks from the stock market and very successful ability to do it. But I couldn't find any specific examples of what stocks he picked and did he, you know, is he a millionaire now? But that's pretty much the only one that I can find where he, he, you know, uses his power for money. Most people come back and they have a psychic ability or psychic connection. Uh, They have a connection with the other side. That seems to be very popular they have a new love for religion and love and, you know, peace and everything, but uh, not a lot of ones where guys can come back and now pick stocks, but I guess, you know, everybody gets a different power. That doctor didn't even die and she got a freaking, uh, the ability to play piano. I want that. All righty up next. Uh, I think it's the last one. It is the last one. This is a great one. And this is one of the ones that I checked to make sure she was real because I just didn't buy it. I was like, there's no way this story's real, but apparently Not apparently. She is real. I checked into her. Eight-year-old Annabelle Beam was diagnosed with a chronic digestive disorder at age four. She said she was in constant pain, but her dad said she was always so sweet and gracious. She wasn't making a big deal out of it, and she was suffering in silence. Well, it did get so bad that apparently she did tell her mom that she wanted to die at eight years old. She said that pain was just too much. She told my mom, I told my mom, mama, I want to die and go to heaven with Jesus where there is no more pain. I don't want to be in this much pain for the rest of my life. And I was so committed to just giving up that sometimes whenever I couldn't sleep, I kind of tried and figure out what would happen if I did die. Then I decided my mom would come with me. My dad would stay and watch my sisters. That's messed up. You like, look, this is the plan, mom. You can imagine your eight-year-old coming to you, mom, look, this is the plan. I'm going to die. You're going to come with me. Now, dad can stay and watch over my sisters, but you and me, we're going to die. It's going to be great. We're going to go up to heaven. No pain, no nothing. That kid would scare the crap out of me. But sometime after this, Annabelle, who loved to climb trees, fell 30 feet from a tree branch that, that cracked while she was sitting on it with her sister, Abby. Now, she claims that after bumping her head three times on the way down and falling into the hollowed out base of the tree, that she died and went to heaven. Again, this is coming from an eight-year-old. She said it was really bright, and I sat on Jesus's lap, and he told me, whenever the firefighters get you out, there'll be nothing wrong with you. And I recalled, uh, Annabelle recalled, I asked him if I could stay. Oh, I asked him if I could stay, and he said no. Annabelle asked him, uh, Annabelle said, and I asked him if I could stay. And he said, no, I have plans you need to fulfill on earth that you cannot fulfill in heaven. Uh, She was then rescued by some firefighters. And when she woke up, she told her family about what she saw. Her mom said she was just very matter of fact, very, this is what happened. Not at all animated. Just here are the facts. And then she stopped talking, looked out the window for the rest of the trip home. Now, when she was still in the hospital after she woke up, the doctors checked her over and were shocked to find out that she was cured of the chronic digestive disorder. Her family said she used to take 10 medications a day, again at 8 years old, and was in constant pain. Now, she's fine and takes nothing. She fell 30 feet head first without any injuries or one bug bite, her mom says. She came out of that tree hours later, wet, muddy, and with scratches, and she's well. Now, Annabelle, who still likes to climb trees, says, Most kids aren't ever healed, and so anytime I see the tree, I'm just grateful and happy. See what I mean? That's a cool one. And again, I was like, there's no way this girl's going to be real. There's no possible way. This has to be just like some urban legend that keeps getting regurgitated. Nope. Real girl. Real story. I couldn't find anything that she really died, but she came back with this crazy, cool, amazing story about heaven, and she's cured. But again, still, creepiest crap that she's like, hey, look, this is the plan, Mom. I'm going to die. You're coming with me. Dad's going to be with, the, with uh, Abby there. It'll be fine. So there you have it. There is a very long list of people that have died and come back and have stories. Some of them, most of them, I'll put it that way, most of them, they're not the most impressive stories. They're, again, very woo-woo, I bring you peace, I bring you love, that kind of a story. But some of them, the ones I read to you, and then there's a bunch more as well, are incredibly cool, and I don't know what to think. Whenever I do a near-death experience or people that have died and came back or whatever kind of story that revolves around death. I always hope that I will end the episode going, yeah, now I don't fear death. Nope, still fear death, 100%. It is nice to know that for the majority of people, there is something after life. There's an afterlife out there. I still don't understand what these other people did where they didn't get to see anything, why they're just in pure blackness and they say they are convinced that there is no life after death and they're very scared of death now that's that that's kind of you know fear inducing but i don't know i like these stories i really do i like these stories about people that have knowledge that they couldn't possibly have i really hope i can find some more from that um, from that hospital that that the guys that were doing the the uh, what is his name sam um the, the guy that was doing the, the, the test in 2001 by hiding that thing up on the little figures up above, I really, really hope that they continue to do that work and then I can find it somewhere else down on the line and tell you about even more experiences and more controlled experiments that they did because Sam Parnia, that's the guy, Sam Parnia, I really hope that he did more uh, work with near-death experiences and uh, I'd like to read what he found out, what, you know, what conclusions he came to. All right. That about does it. I was going to save this for, I think I still might. I was going to save it for a, one of the live episodes, but there is, um, the Dugin Swamp. I think we found it. I really, really think we found the Dugin Swamp. There's a couple people that messaged me going, Hey man, there's this thing. Here you go. And there's other people going, Hey, I think I found the actual coordinates. Here you go. I think it's found. I think we found the Dugan Swamp. I'll bring it up in the next live episode, but fear not. We're going to have a follow-up on the Dugan Swamp. I'm going to have him go out and and investigate the swamp, see if we can do a live episode while he's out there, or just have him call me, and I'll hit record and play it back for you later. But I really think we found the Dugan Swamp. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to the latest live episode where a listener called in t- teaching me about the Dugin Swamp and couldn't really find out the coordinates. It's a place in Michigan, but I think we have it. More will be said as we get closer to, uh, to that. But uh, again, near-death experiences. Have any of you ever had one, I would love to talk to a listener about near-death experiences. If you've had a near-death experience, I want to hear from you. I really, really do. Whether it be good, bad, or the other, indifferent, I want to hear from a listener about near-death experiences, and I would love to do a follow-up episode with just that. Listeners that have had near-death experiences. And with that, and rum back on my lap, uh, thank you all so much. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Have, I hope you had a happy Halloween and a fun time. I uh, hope you're having a great Day of the Dead. Uh, this Remember, today is a day to go and celebrate the lives of of those that we've lost and uh, do just that. Have a drink in their honor, raise it, you know, have a toast in their honor, tell fun stories about them because yeah, death is really sad, but they were a big part of your life. They were awesome people. Make sure you tell them you love them one last time. With that, I am your host, Kurt Sandvig. This has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. I'm